The hard part is, is finding that confidence, that inner strength to stand up for your horse, to stand up for yourself and what you know. You may not be a professional. You may not be the best horse trainer in the world. I'm certainly not Ken Ramirez or Karen Pryor or all these other trainers. And I can still stand up for my horse. Welcome to another episode of the Willing Equine Podcast. We are recording this in my car during my commutes to and from my work. So the audio may not be super clear and also my daughter is with me in the car. So you may hear her little comments throughout the podcast. But otherwise, hopefully you can enjoy this podcast and we can discuss all sorts of interesting topics that have to do with making a positive impact on your relationship with your horse. like today I'm mostly going to be talking to my younger self because I struggled with this particular issue a lot growing up with my horses. I'm a really big people pleaser. I like people to like me. I like to make sure everybody's happy, that I like to take care of everybody else um, to the point of not really taking care of myself or... um, even sacrificing how well I'm able to take care of a limited amount of people because I'm trying so hard to take care of a lot of people and a lot of animals and a lot of just things I love and, and people I love and beings that I love. And growing up, it was very hard for me. I felt I lacked a lot of confidence and assurance in myself and in what I knew and what I felt was right and wrong to be able to stand up for myself and to stand up for my horses. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. Adults, younger, you know, preteens, teens, kids, it doesn't matter. I think a lot of us struggle with this problem. So I'm hoping that this particular podcast really speaks to quite a few of you. But I, when we're when we have certain ways that we work with our horses, when we have certain morals and beliefs in how our horses should be handled and certain ways that we've trained our horses and interacted with them, we hope that those around us, the professionals we hire and the people that are at the, that are staffed at the barn we board at or our friends or whoever it is, will do like we do. That they, they will take care of the horse in such a considerate way that they will not use punishment, that they will not um, correct a horse for this or that behavior or that they will just be respectful of the animal like we are and treat them like we do. Unfortunately, though, this isn't the case all that often. There are rare times when I have found myself to be completely lined up with somebody else where I feel completely comfortable giving them free reign of working with my horses and being around my horses uh, or a dog or cat or my children but this is not all that common even professionals that I really like that are excellent at their job uh, maybe even barn staff that are absolutely excellent at what they do and you know keep the barn clean and feed the horses really well and they're excellent at spotting illnesses or the vets that are amazing at lameness exams or catching colics or surgeries I mean all these professionals that know their job so so very well and we love working with them 
but they either have opinions about how horses should be trained and handled or about using food rewards during training or, you know, fill in the blank. They have an opinion or they just automatically react to your horse in a certain way and in that way, in that opinion, does not line up with your what you like and what you want for your horse. So let's say that we have this fantastic professional or somebody that we really love working with. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's not even a professional, but it's another, a friend, another equestrian of ours, or a friend, whatever, of ours that we love to be around, we love working with, but they don't quite follow what it is that we want with our horses. And think the easy trap to fall into and this is something that used to happen to me all the time and I still I still have to fight it so very hard is sacrificing our horses and that just that moment we'll just be like it's okay just this one time it's okay just let them deal with it or, or or I'll just let it slide this one time we sacrifice our horses and our training and our beliefs and ourselves and our sanity and for, oh, because we're so worried about what the other person thinks, what they think, if they like us, if they're okay, if they are going to be our friends anymore, if they're going to still want to work with us, all of these different doubts that enter our mind if we even dare to think of standing up for our horses. And it's really easy. Like I said, I'm talking to my younger self here and I'm talking to myself today too, because I struggle with this. It's really easy to get caught in the trap of paying more attention to another person's feelings or to what somebody else it may or may not be inconvenient for them to paying more attention to them than we do to our horses and to ourselves. So I have a couple points I want to make on this topic because I feel it's a really important topic to address. One, because we are our horse's caregivers. We're their defenders. We're the ones that make decisions for them. We choose whether or not they're subjected to this professional or that professional, this friend or that friend, that barn or this barn, this pasture or that pasture. We even choose their pasture mates. We choose who trims their feet. We choose who feeds them, which food they eat. We choose everything for our horses. Their voices are very, very, very limited, if even existent, unless we choose to give them a voice. But that's a topic for another podcast. In this particular one, I want to talk about how as the caregiver, as their defenders, we have to be the ones that stand up for them. If we have decided that we don't feel punishment is a fair training approach to a particular behavior, we need to say so. We first is not enough just for us to be the only ones that don't punish them. If anybody else interacts with them during their daily life, or maybe it's just occasionally, maybe it's rarely, maybe it's once or twice a year, we have to be the advocate for the horse and explain to this other person how the training protocol is, what you guys are working on, how you're going to make it easier for this professional or that friend or whatever. Give them an easy task-oriented way to get through whatever situation is coming up. Let's say maybe the horse yanks its feet away. How are you addressing that as the owner and trainer and caregiver for this horse? How are you addressing this particular problem that the farrier would be very prone to hitting the horse for yanking the foot away? So if their natural response is to try and strike the horse as a punisher for yanking the foot away, you have to be the one that stands up and says, 
I'm sorry, I don't accept punishment or I don't allow punishment towards my horse, but this is what I'm doing to make the situation better. This is how I'm going to make your job easier. And this is what I would like you to do. And yes, they're probably going to be a little bit annoyed. It depends on the person. Some professionals I find have no problem or friends. Again, I'm using the word professional kind of as a catch all for anybody else that interacts with your horse. And I mean, so you have to forgive the fact that it's just, it's a limited category, but Let's just say any other person. I'm just going to go with that. So you have to inform the. So this other person may get a little bit irritated because that's not what their belief system is towards interacting with horses. That's how, not how they're trained to interact with horses. They, you know, want to do X, Y, or Z, and you're like, no, I want to do it this other way. So they are likely going to be a little bit put off by it. So you need to be very considerate, very patient, and then you need to make their job really, really easy. But you can't just be so concerned about what their opinion is of your training with your horse or whether or not you punish your horse or whether or not they're going to be offended that you forget about your horse and their voice and the fact that your position in the relationship with the horse, the horse-human relationship, your position is caregiver. And as the caregiver, you are solely responsible for your horse's well-being, which includes the interaction that they have with other humans and how that is handled, how it, the outcome of it, and how prepared for the situation the horse is. Which brings me to the second point, that is... We can't expect everybody else to uphold our training protocols and how we want our horses interacted with if our horses are out of control and dangerous. You're putting your friend, professional, other equestrian, barn manager, everybody at risk and your horse at risk of getting punished if your horse is not adequately prepared for the situation you've put them in. Now, there's different ways of going about this. There's different degrees of training that are necessary. I'm not going to go into all the details, but let's say, let's go back to the farrier example for, you know, for real quick, which is if your horse has a tendency to yank its feet away, you can't just tell the farrier not to hit your horse for when it pulls its feet away. You have to actually go and spend time. You have to spend time training the horse not to pull its foot foot away. However you want to train that, it doesn't even matter how you want to train it, do it your way so that you limit the damage on the relationship with that trimmer and you don't have to put them in this position where they're forced to either say, to be blunt about the fact that they want you to punish the horse and they put you in this awkward position and then you put them in this awkward position. It's just not good for the relationship. A well-trained horse that's prepared for the situation is less likely to get into trouble in the first place and need to be punished. And then that conversation will never come up. So you can avoid offending anybody else altogether if you work really hard at helping your horse be prepared for the situation. Now, point number three is going to be pretty closely related to number two, which is that obviously that's an idealist situation that your horse would be so perfect that nobody would ever feel the need to correct your horse. Obviously, that's not always going to happen. Horses are animals. uh, We're humans. (laughs) Mistakes happen. The training process is a long one. It doesn't happen overnight. So finding somebody that 
at least respects you and respects what you're trying to achieve is really helpful. You're not always going to be able to find this. You know, some remote areas, you might have limited options as to who you work with. But you can try to your level best to really make the situation as ideal as possible. And you can be as considerate of the other person's time and opinions and emotions as possible by listening to what they have to say, respecting what they have to say, and just letting them know that you understand you are going to actively work on this. You would appreciate if they would follow the training protocol you're working on right now and that you completely respect them and everything that they do and they you do not want anything to happen to them and you don't want to put anybody in a bad situation. People respond really, really well to that. Not everybody, again, there's going to be the people that are just dead set in their ways and will walk out that door if they see you training your horse with food. And to be honest, I don't know those relationships are worth keeping because if they can't be somewhat open-minded, even if they're not going to pick up the training method themselves, if they can't respect the fact that you're being a proactive owner and a caring caregiver, then the relationship is already off to a rocky start and a judgmental one. So you have to be aware of the fact that some relationships are worth keeping and some are not. I have a, my barefoot trimmer for my horses has, uh, I've been working with her for years now and I don't think it was until a couple months ago that she started playing around with using food rewards and positive reinforcement. All before that, she trained completely differently under saddle, and that was okay. We were in a mutually respectful relationship. We talked back and forth. We met at the same level on so many different areas as far as holistic keeping and diet. and We had so many points where the relationship was perfect dead on. It was just this one area that we didn't necessarily agree on, but my horses were so well prepared for the training situation, and I was always so proactive in the situation where she was there trimming the horses. Uh, It even had a situation where one of my horses kicked out at her one time out of fear, and as a self-defense mechanism, they were reactive after something had happened to them. And she knew that I didn't use punishment, so she immediately backed up and backed away, and I took over the training situation. She knew that she didn't need to even, it didn't even, she didn't need to involve herself at all. She was there to do the feet, to trim them, and if something went wrong, I was going to protect her and take over the training situation, and she didn't need to be part of that situation at all. And, and there was relief in that for her. It kept keeps her safe, and it keeps her focused on her own job and not having to also train my horse too. And it helps the relationship. It keeps it safe. It keeps it mutually respectful. And then the horse remains in my care and in under my training protocol and doing what it is that I want them to do. But I am an extremely proactive caregiver, and that's what I encourage other uh, owners and caregivers to be like. Obviously, in not every situation are you going to be able to be there 100% of the time. I'm in a little bit of a unique situation where I'm the trainer, you know, this is what I do professionally. So I'm at the barn every single time anybody is interacting with the horses. So other people are going to be more limited than I am in certain areas, but there is a lot you can do. You can, if you know your horse doesn't lead very well, maybe you can find a boarding facility that doesn't require your horse to be led to and from a stall. Maybe there's pasture board with a shelter. That would be helpful. That would help the relationship, 
that would keep everybody safe. Nobody would have to be involved in the training and interacting with your horse that doesn't lead very well. And it would keep your horse safe from being punished. Then another idea might be, let's say, let's think of another situation. If typically your barn handles all of the trims themselves, like maybe they have all the horses on a set schedule and the farrier just comes and they bring out the horse for the farrier and the farrier does them and then puts them away. If that's normal for your boarding situation, there shouldn't be a problem with telling them, letting them know that that's fine for everybody else, but you would like to be involved. So if they could put you on the schedule to be there at a certain time to handle your particular horse, I think most barns would be more than happy to accommodate that. And if not, well, there might be a problem there. (laughs) They should allow you to handle your horse as much as possible. That would be what I would expect from a boarding facility of any kind and any size. It's still your horse, regardless of how the facility is set up, regardless of how their normal protocol is it is still your horse you are still the horse's caregiver and you are primarily in charge of them regardless of the normal standard schedule and what's normally done now to bring up another point to kind of wrap this back around to my original point which is about not being worried about offending people and taking care of not just your horse but yourself one of the downsides to being to kind of letting yourself get pushed around or run over or just letting it slide this one time is is that there's this guilt afterwards this long lasting guilt at least in my experience where I'm like what could I have done to make that better why did I let them do that especially if the situation ended up really poorly I've had multiple situations when I was younger that involved a somebody else taking over handling my horse for this reason or that reason I you know I have a lot of uh, a lot of examples but where I am later thinking why on earth did I let that happen now I've just lost a lot of progress in our training and I just witnessed what I feel was um, cruel treatment I mean horses getting bullied with whips and chains and ropes and twitches and all these things that I would never in a million years do myself but I let this other person because I thought maybe they knew more than me or because I was younger and they were the adults so I you know of course they knew better and I stepped aside I let them take over and watched in horror the whole time and then got my soaking in sweat, terrified, scared, shaking horse afterwards. Maybe they did get in the trailer. Maybe they did stand for the farrier. But the horse was traumatized after, and I had to deal with that emotional baggage both for myself and for my horse. It wasn't worth it. In the end, it is not worth putting yourselves through that emotional trauma. The hard part is is finding that confidence, that inner strength, to stand up for your horse, to stand up for yourself and what you know. You may not be a professional. You may not be the best horse trainer in the world. I'm certainly not Ken Ramirez or Karen Pryor or all these other trainers. And I can still stand up for my horse. I can still stand up for what I know, what I believe to be true, what I believe is true for my horse, what I know about my horse and myself. I can draw a line 
and I can protect myself and my horse from other people. And I can do it in such a way that doesn't offend everybody around me, at least not the relationships worth keeping. And I can be confident in that. You don't have to be, you know, 50 years old with 30 years of horse experience and licensing from all these different you know, organizations, the USCF and all these different places are certified in all these natural horsemanship. You don't have to have all of that. You don't have to have that to be your horse's best caregiver. You don't have to have that to have confidence that you are trying to do the best you can for your horse with the information you have now. And you can be confident in that. You can trust yourself and you can protect your horse and protect yourself from the repercussion of just letting it slide and letting yourself be pushed around. Trust me, I don't know you, but I know that you know your horse and I know you're trying to do the best you can for your horse. And I can be confident in telling you to be confident as your horse's caregiver. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more, head to my website, thewillingequine.com, and I have links to my social media accounts like Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And I also have a really extensive blog as well as resources on there like books and other podcasts and websites that you can check out to find out more information. And probably one of the best resources I have on my website is my FAQ page, which is under the training drop-down menu. And check that out because if you have any questions about how I train or positive reinforcement training in general for horses, the answer is probably there. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I would love to hear any feedback you have. Perhaps leave a comment or email me. Um, If you have any suggestions for future topics, please send those my way and I look forward to talking with you in the future.